Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Kyle Clay Richards, and welcome to Underdog Mentality, the sports podcast where we tackle unique topics by looking between the numbers at the human side of the game. Man, what a long week it's been. A long couple of weeks, really. I feel like it's the tail end of summer and everybody, including myself, is trying to cram in all the fun stuff they possibly can before the weather gets bad. Went and stayed at the cabin a couple weekends ago, you know, and then this last weekend went to Boise and that'll be the first half of this episode. I'll talk about that, why I was there and whatnot. It's sports related, don't worry, but I'm a little bit exhausted. If I sound like I'm a little raspy or tired, it's because it's all true. I mean, basically... I've been putting in two 40-hour weeks in four days, both weeks, or close to it anyways, and just kind of running myself thin. And uh, I've been doing a lot of trainings at work, a lot of talking, a lot of uh, instructing, and so my my voice is kind of shot. So please forgive me for that. And the crazy part is I don't even get a down weekend for another two weeks, or about a week and a half, I guess. Uh, This weekend, going to a concert in Salt Lake City, going to go catch Luke Combs. Yes, I'm a big country fan. Uh, don't ask me how or why, probably because of my dad. I don't know, but I got to tell you, I'm actually ready for some downtime weekends because bowling started last week. Uh, my buddy Austin started bowling on my team. It's his first time ever bowling in a league and I'm pretty stoked to bowl with him. Uh, I felt kind of bad that I couldn't be there cause I was in Boise. Uh, and then this coming weekend, I'm going to a concert. And so three weeks into the bowling season, I will finally get a bowl with him. And then the fourth week into the bowling season, I'll be in Virginia for about five days and then going to Philadelphia slash New Jersey for a couple of days. So it's been a pretty busy month to say the least. But luckily, we've all had fantasy football to keep ourselves sane as the colder months come on, at least for those of you who experience colder months. In Idaho, we definitely have those. But in my Vandal League, the asymptomatic mouth breathers beat Stefan the Gas. Uh, That's my buddy Charlie who's getting married in Virginia. And he beat me 133 to 119. Aaron Rodgers couldn't come back to get the W over him. And then in the foosball with your friends league, my Greendale human beings beat the Sex Panthers uh, 160 to 128. I beat the the league commissioner. I got me about I got I, I didn't get the high score in that one. That's not the one I got the high score in. But I'm 2 and 0 in that league, and that is unfamiliar territory for me ever since I've been in that league. So pretty happy with that result. And then. The Abstract Boys in the Fantasy Football League number one of Abstract Sports. Uh, I, the commissioner, took the high score by 1.08 points over none other than one of my own contributors on Abstract Sports, Isaiah Pinto. So, sorry I did that to you, buddy, but I'm going to take those $15 and uh, put them into my personal bank account and spend it all in one place. (laughs) Uh, 2-0 in that league as well. Um, Not that often I start off this good in fantasy football. But one more thing before we get going into uh, this episode four of Underdog Mentality, just a quick update on that NBA Top Shot deal that I did in the last episode. I believe I mentioned that I put one of my moments up for sale because it was a duplicate Reggie Jackson. I put him up on the marketplace for $4. About a couple days later, I got an email saying that it had sold. And I was like, all right, cool. So, of course, Dapper, the the people who are the management, management team over the blockchain for NBA Top Shot, they took a little bit off of that, so I ended up with $3.80 in my account, and uh, hopefully I can put that towards some more moments in the future. But they came out with a new feature called uh, Trade Tickets, where you can trade any of your moments in for trade tickets, one moment per ticket. And eventually, you're going to be able to use these trade tickets to trade for packs. And basically, all the moments that people trade in during this time go into this big old pool, 
and you can use your trade tickets to get a pack con containing three of those moments that people traded in. So it's kind of a crapshoot, but maybe you'll find a diamond in the rough. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. They were supposed to roll out that trade-in feature like Tuesday this week, and they didn't do it. They had they posted on Twitter and said that they were going to push it back because they ran into some issues in testing. And it was kind of frustrating because people are putting big money into this platform and they didn't have anything on their website that said, hey, we're postponing this because, you know, if I'm going to find something out from a company where you're taking my money and, and large amounts of money, I'm going to go to your website and you better have something front and center saying, hey, we're postponing this. So that was a frustrating customer experience. But you know what? I'm still in it for the the cheap long haul, trying to spend as little money as possible, but get a feel for what it's like and uh, just kind of experiment with NFTs a little bit. So anyways, without further ado, I'm so happy to be here again for a fourth week, um, or a fourth episode, I should say, third week in a row. And I've got to say, I'm, I'm knocking the rust off pretty good, and I have a lot more energy coming into these episodes. Even though I am exhausted this week, this is the day of the week I look forward to, to record this episode, get it out there, and kind of see what people think about it. So let's go ahead and jump in. Well, I hope you all had a great weekend. As I mentioned in the intro, which was a very long intro, five and a half minutes, did not plan on doing that. But I did have to cover some things from the last episode. You got to have some continuity, you know what I'm saying? But anyways, it was a great weekend. I went and celebrated my good friend Becca's birthday in Boise, Idaho, uh, the capital of the state that I'm born and raised from, capital of the state that I work in and live in. So it was a pretty short trip, but... We were celebrating her birthday and her brother-in-law's birthday, a.k.a. Micah's brother's birthday, uh, sort of two days of the weekend, Friday and Sunday. And we were also going down there because a lot of the people we were going with were going to the Boise State and Oklahoma State University football game. And you might be thinking that since you know we're all from Idaho that we would be going because we want to support Boise State, but that is the complete and utter opposite of why they went to the game. I didn't go to the game. I hung back at a sports bar and drank some beer with my girlfriend and relaxed and watched the game on TV. It was a lot less crowded, a lot less noisy. I still enjoyed myself. Plus, there was a pie hole next door. I could go grab pizza whenever I wanted to. What's not to like about that? Uh, it's called Suds Bar, by the way. It's like right outside of the tailgate area, kitty corner from the stadium. So it was a very, very great location. But anyways, they... All of us, we're all vandals. You know, I went to the University of Idaho. Micah and Becca both went to the University of Idaho, all grads from there. My brother who went to the game, he didn't go to the University of Idaho, but he's affiliated via me, you know, through me, and he likes a football game. So he went with them. Uh, and then Micah's family and, and friends who went to the game, his brother and his sister-in-law and a couple of their friends, they were they all met in Oklahoma State University. I think his brother has a degree from there. So it definitely made a lot of sense to come to Idaho, catch a game in uh, the state where they have a lot of family, where they could we could all meet up in one place and have a good time. And you know, since I'm not going to the football game, I don't have a dog in that fight, but I am a Vandal alum and a big Vandal fan. And so I was like, well, why not just go to the Vandal store in Boise, grab some new gear, and then go to the sports bar and just hang out and flaunt the Vandal shirt in Boise State territory. 
you know, Micah and Becca and, you know, all them, they were all wearing Oklahoma State University swag. So, you know, bright orange and black, which could kind of blend in because Boise State's blue and orange. Gross. Uh, <laughs> uh, but me, I obviously don't have a Boise State University shirt. I also don't have an Oklahoma State shirt. So I was, I was like, let me just put a Vandal shirt on, go to this bar and see what kind of reactions I can get. I knew I was in hostile territory. The people who are true Boise State fans would know that me wearing that shirt in there is like blasphemy. And it's for that exact reason why I was standing at the bar for like, I swear, 15 to 20 minutes trying to grab some beers for me and some friends. And I was like, is she not serving me because she sees I'm wearing a Vandal shirt? Uh, When in all reality, it's like, no, they're just really busy. They were slammed pregame before the football game. So, you know, I, I I didn't think that she was not serving me because of my shirt. But I would understand why she wouldn't if that was the case. So in the beginning, most of my interactions with the people in the bar consisted of, you know, me waiting at the bar and looking at the guy next to me and being like, hey, I hope you guys whoop some ass today. You know, and he just looks at my shirt like, I don't think he really knew that who the Idaho Vandals were for one thing. And he also probably didn't know that we were big time rivals at Boise State at one point. And, you know, still kind of are and that that's kind of a an interesting topic because we don't play each other anymore because Boise State wanted out of our conference. They didn't want to come up to the north to play a bunch of nasty and inebriated people. Uh, and so, yeah, we don't play each other anymore. So we're not in the news with Boise State. But there were a couple of interactions that really made me laugh. And I will, I will love to tell this story every single time. <laughs> so I went and used the restroom and I'm coming back to our table and there's like a, just in the hallway or in the middle of this barway, uh, walkway, barway, what the hell's a barway? I don't know. Anyways, I was walking through this crowd of guys and I couldn't get through just a bunch of big dudes, you know, and I'm a friendly person. I'm not like, Hey, get out of the way. You Broncos. Ah, I'm not, I'm not like that. I was just like, Hey, excuse me. <laughs> just, you know, tap the guy on the back and be like, can I please get through? I'm trying to go back to my friends. And so he <laughs> He looks down at me, he sees my shirt, and he just like makes this look like a smirk. He's like, son of a bitch. You know, that was, that was pretty much his exact reaction was like, I can't believe this. And he just kind of like ushers me through the crowd, like puts his hand on my back and he just guides me through as if to like show everybody that I'm wearing this shirt. And I'm just like, yep, yep. It's, that's exactly what it is. It looks exactly what you think. Uh, it's me. I'm a vandal. What up? (laughs) That was probably my favorite interaction all day because uh, all these dudes are probably like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and I'm over here just 5'7 half on a good day walking through wearing the totally wrong shirt in the sports bar, and these guys knew what I was up to, and it was just like a good, honest like sportsmanship, pat on the back. Good, good for you coming in here. So as time went on, you know, we're watching the football game on the TVs. I would put out an occasional cheer when Boise State did something bad or you know, mostly when Oklahoma State did something good because I didn't want to sound like I was cheering against Boise State. That would just be the, the wrong way to go about things in that area. Uh, we just watched the game. We were also waiting for our friend Ingrid to fly in. She got in, came to the bar. We got to catch up a little bit and watch the game and kind of cheer in the same kind of direction, you know, against Boise State, but quietly over in this corner of the bar. And my next favorite part of the story is when uh, the game was pretty much over. And so I was like, shoot, I better get to the bar now and grab some beers for all my friends who are coming back to meet us over here. So they don't have to bother trying to work through the crowd to grab a beer if they want one. So I went and grabbed like four or five Miller lights and, you know, a lemon white cloth for my girlfriend, because that's how she rolls. 
I got Ingrid and Agri Orchard because that's how she rolls. And when everybody came back, they all had a beer in their hands. And uh, it was just perfect timing, really. But along with the crowd coming back to the bar from the game comes all the Boise State fans, of course. And their team just lost. They're all kind of in the dumps about it. But that's to be expected. You know, you're a fan of your team. They lose a close game. They, they lost because they missed a field goal at the end of the game. You know, that's, that's a pretty tough way to lose. And I actually had to look up how they lost that game just to make sure I was correct. And actually, the field goal was tipped. I didn't realize that. So good play on Oklahoma State's part to seal the win on a, on a defensive play like that. That's pretty impressive. But anyways, all the Boise State fans are showing up. All my friends showed up. They had a beer. And then everybody kind of wanted to scatter and go somewhere else. And so, you know, some people left, some people stayed. But there were some interactions before my friends did show up where I was at, I felt a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. I had this one guy come over to me, like with two of his friends, kind of like like coming at me. And you could tell they all they meant all fun and games, but they could have been going for some kind of like crazy knee-jerk reaction for me. And they were going to act on it if, if there was one. But I'm not that kind of guy. I'm like, I know what I'm doing wearing this shirt. I'm not going to be an asshole. You know, I'm going to kindly be an asshole by wearing the shirt. <laughs> and so these three guys come over to me like, what are you doing, man? Oh, how, how many games have your team won? You know, and I'm like, zero. I know it's zero. <laughs> like we got blown out today, 42 to zero to Oregon State. I know what's going on. But there was this one guy who kept coming over to me like, like, looking me up and down like he was sizing me up kind of kind of jokingly but he would like cross the he would like outline the eye on my shirt for the Idaho Vandals logo he'd be like whoosh, 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 and then he'd like step back a couple of steps as if he was like, like drew a picture and he just gives me the double fingers <laughs> and I just laughed at him and then he comes over and does it again he's like whoosh, and then give steps back gives me the double fingers and I just like I just give him the double finger guns like yeah, back at you, buddy. <laughs> it was a very interesting experience. I'd never been to that bar. Um, I've never actually been to a Boise State game in Boise, but um, I have watched the Vandals play at Albertson Stadium. It is a really impressive stadium. The blue field, pretty damn ugly, not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> there's probably some Boise State fans out there. If you're mad, that's, that's okay. That's partly why I'm talking the way I'm talking. But we all had a really good time. Uh, not only uh, at the game or at the bar outside the game, but just the entire experience about the, the college atmosphere is something that I really miss. You know, when I was at the University of Idaho, I really missed, I loved going to all the games on Saturdays and uh, the kind of culture that came around that, but uh, I don't really have that in my life as much anymore. So it was really fun to go and experience that again and uh, kind of get a little bit rowdy, but also keep it tame because you know what, we're over 30 and it's hard to be that way anymore. And some of you are probably out there like, yeah, right, Kyle, I know you get rowdy. And to that I say, that does it for the first half of episode four of the Underdog Mentality. Let's take a quick timeout and uh, hear a little bit from one of our sponsors. So in the first half of the episode, I mentioned how I, I kind of miss college culture and kind of what that, what that entailed. And it kind of has me kind of thinking about college football and how impressive some of these teams can be. You know, these, these players that are on some of these really good college football teams are 18 years old, you know, 18, 19, highly recruited. Um, and now with the NIL thing going on, they can actually be making a lot of money on the side of their college football career. It's pretty crazy how things have changed. But obviously, these kids have been playing football for most of their lives up to that point. 
And so they kind of have this understanding of how the game works. They know the flow of the game. They know they have a little bit, little more IQ about the game. They understand it better just in general. But I feel like one characteristic that gets a little bit overlooked with these players is the level of confidence that they play with. You know, obviously there is a difference between arrogance and confidence. Arrogance is when you're really being boisterous about how good you are. Then there's confidence in just knowing what you're doing, sticking to the game plan, and just following through. You hear about these kind of situations all the time, but I I have one in particular that's going on right now around me, and it happens to pertain to the sports world. So my boss's son is a field goal kicker for a local high school team, and I'm not going to name any names, not going to name any high schools or anything. I don't want to compromise anybody's privacy. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm just telling a story that relates to sports, but also real life in a lot of different ways. So his junior year, he was recruited uh, from the football team to be a field goal kicker for them. Previously, he was a soccer player. So obviously, soccer players have strong legs, and they saw this kid play, and they wanted to have him come play for them as a field goal kicker. Pretty obvious transition. You see it all the time. Uh, Well, it's just the fact that I get to hear these kind of situations develop from my boss's point of view as a a proud father and wanting to watch his son do something good, but also do something that he enjoys, which I think is equally important, especially at a young age. You don't want to force your kid into sports uh, when they don't enjoy it. It's just not going to be good for them. So just for a, a quick recap, he had a sort of mediocre junior season. It was his first year kicking footballs in game and also in practices and everything like that. Well, My boss asked him like, hey, is this something you really want to pursue? Because if you get good enough at it in the next year, you could possibly get a scholarship at a college. And he's like, yes, I'm all about it. And so my boss took that to heart and has taken him all over the country to, you know, go to different kicking camps, getting practice reps in with professionals at professional level speed. And he has grown a lot in the offseason, right? So his senior season comes around, he starts practicing with the team and they start going to some games. And my boss is telling me all these stories, having taken him to these camps and knowing how fast-paced they are. And then you get back to a high school team and you realize like just how uninterested or disinterested these players are. Uh, or you know, maybe they don't care about it as much and so they don't put as much effort into it in the offseason. Well, my boss and his son obviously were the opposite of that. They put everything into getting his game to be better. And my boss saw improvement and it, it was, it's actually really cool to hear him talk about it because he's very proud of his son. And it's just something you always want to hear. Well, the football season starts. And like I was saying, like these, some of these other high school kids are just not up to par with, with uh, this kid's level and what he wants to try to do. So he's used to kicking field goals at college level speed, professional level speed kind of stuff. And he'll line up for a field goal and the holder just doesn't know how to, to handle the situation, you know, Obviously, my boss's son has been in this situation a few times, but he has the practice and the knowledge of how it should go down, and it's just not happening the way that it should. Not at the speed. There's not a, not enough coordination. Uh, just the efficiency of the overall field goal kick play is not good enough. I mean, these are high school kids, okay? They, they're they young. We're I, This is the varsity team. We're talking like they could be anywhere from what is that, like 15 to 18, depending on how good they are and what position they play. So there's going to be some gaps and some mishaps and things of that nature. Well, my boss's son has had a few missed kicks in game, 
And after all the hard work he's put in, he's been feeling like kind of like the air has been let out of his balloon. And I think that's my boss's words that he used recently when talking about it. And that's a good way of putting it because he's like, I feel like I should be better than this, but I'm not, it's not showing on paper right now. And so they go and play this team and they're whooping some butt, right? They're beating them like 49 to 14, something like that. And, you know, they, they should just kneel the ball. Like my boss's son's team has the ball. They, they could just kneel the ball for the last play of the game and call it good. But I think the coaches understand the potential of what my boss's son has. And they didn't want to just go out with a, a flat kneel on the, on the field to get the win. This kid has college potential, and so they want to try to give him some stats that show that he's good enough for that kind of thing. And this may not have been the best move in terms of sportsmanship, but being up 49 to 14 or whatever it was, they sent my boss's son out on the field for the a kick to end the game. And the coaches on the other sideline are livid. You know, I wasn't there. This is me just paraphrasing and describing it as my boss told me, right? But they send him out there to kick this field goal to end the game. And it's not just any field goal. It's a 49-yarder. Okay, these are high school kids. That's a pretty long kick. And so the, I think the other coaches maybe in the beginning were like, eh, whatever, you know, they're just, they're going to get a rep and it's fine. And it, they, little do they know, this kid is way more prepared than what they expect. And with all the pressure off, you know, the other team is probably not too worried about him making it or missing it. They just know they got their butt kicked and they feel bad and down on themselves. And so they're like probably not trying all that hard on that play. And that's me being speculatory. I don't really know. Speculative, speculative. I don't know which word is correct there. I don't care. Anyways, he lines up for a 49-yard kick. Everything goes smoothly. He crushes this thing. He didn't like make it by a long shot. This thing barely made it over the crossbar, but it went in. It was a 49-yard field goal. It was the first one. I don't know if it's the first one, but it was one of the most successful kicks that he's had this season. And so he's ecstatic. The team's ecstatic. And all of his teammates on the on the bench or like on the sideline just come rushing the field to celebrate with him. Meanwhile, the coaches on the other, other side are storming the field, cussing, yelling obscenities but like that's not all right what are you doing you know and when my boss told me this story I was like yeah that is a little bit messed up but I think that's probably good for his recruitment process so although that is a little bit unsportsmanlike to go and kick a field goal like that when you're already up by a long shot I think that that will help build his confidence going into the next games and hopefully that him and his uh, holder can connect a little bit more on that same plane because the more he does that the more it boost his his recruitment stock and can be good for him in a very big way moving forward and so in a way he has the monkey off his back that you know he is good enough he can kick long field goals as long as everything goes smoothly so I'm looking forward to hearing some more stories from my boss to see how how he does throughout the season I'm always asking about him you know because I'm just genuinely curious and I know my, my you know my boss is super stoked about it very proud of him but I really want to talk more about the, how confidence plays so much into your success on the field. Um, you know, it's also off the field or on the court, off the court, depending on what sport you like to play. If you're just getting practice reps in and that's it, there's no action, there's no stress, there's no pressure of a, of a time clock or a defense trying to block your kick, things like that, you're kind of practicing within a vacuum. You know, you're able to line it up, take your own time, kick the ball as hard as you want with no you know, no other factors at play. And so you, you, it's like you are literally practicing in a vacuum in a way. You don't have those limiting factors. 
And so when you get those in-game repetitions, that's what really helps you shine and understand what the game is all about so you can go into it the next time around and be a lot better. And so I'm sure that my boss's son is going to take this and run with it. You know, he, although the kick didn't mean much in the end of it all, I think it's going to carry over into the next game that he finally made one, the monkey's off his back. He's ready to roll for the rest of the season. And hearing these stories, it makes me think a lot about myself when I played high school basketball. Actually, on a drive to a meeting uh, yesterday with my boss, we were talking about all these things, and I was like, i got to put this on the podcast because this is pr- some pretty good stuff. But when I played high school basketball, you know, or middle school to high school, so 8th grade and ninth grade, very young. And I'd only ever played in YMCA. I played one year of City League, and we got destroyed. Uh, ironically enough, the people who, who destroyed us in City League were uh, my future teammates in eighth and ninth grade because they knew an offense that was taught by a basketball coach in the high school system. But when I started playing basketball in eighth and ninth grade, I knew a very low level of basketball. I just happened to have uh, good enough skills, the good enough fundamentals that I could make the team and possibly grow. And I feel like I did grow a lot between my eighth and ninth grade, not necessarily in size, like physical size, but understanding of the game. You know, I, I went to basketball camps, got more familiar with my teammates and the people who are going to be trying out for freshman year and made the freshman team just fine. I was a bench rider. You know, I didn't, I didn't get put in, in games a lot, but in special situations I would like I was a three point shooter. So if we were really desperate for a shot, they'd be like, let's put him in there. Somebody that nobody really knows and see if he can get open and make a shot. And sometimes I did, I think. And sometimes I didn't, I don't really remember. It's all kind of a blur. But after my freshman year, I just felt like that wasn't for me. I didn't think I was going to be successful enough as a basketball player like I wanted to. It was my passion, but I just didn't think that I was going to make it. And because of that, it really held me back. And I didn't try out for JV. I actually remember being approached by the JV basketball coach. And he's like, hey, man, Kyle, why weren't you at tryouts? And I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm going to skip out. I need to focus on my grades. They took a hit last last semester, and I want to focus on that. And he seemed kind of disappointed, and I, I that stuck with me for a very long time. Uh, but, I, you know, I didn't have that confidence in myself to want to move on. I didn't think that I had what it took to be good because these other kids that I was playing with, they were so much better than me. But the thing is, I really should have just put in that time in the offseason to get better and better and better at my practice reps and put myself in game time situations. So when I come in next year, I actually have this new and improved self that I have confidence in and I can throw myself around in in the correct ways. And I just didn't have that at the time. You know, I, I, it's one of the, if there, if I were to have any regret in life, it's probably that I didn't try out for that JV team because if I did try out for that team and I had the mindset of I'm going to get better, I would have, and that off season would have been a lot of me practicing, working out, and whatnot, getting my uh, my cardio up and whatnot, because that's really that that always sucks. You know, cardio is the worst. Running ladders sucks. <laughs> but early on in my high school career, I just that's not where my head was. My head was more like I want to be a first generation college student. That was a goal that I knew I could achieve. My grades were good enough. I was smart enough to do that. And I did, and I feel great about it. But looking back, I'm like, man, I wish, I really wish I could have juggled both because I feel like I could have been pretty good. So I never developed that confidence at that level of play. So I fast forward a few years, I actually make it to college and I'm going to the gym all the time. They have basketball courts there 
And I'm playing pickup games like crazy, like five on five, three on three, two on two, one on one, whatever you want, like five on five all day. And there have been days where I've been at the, at the gym for like four or five hours just playing basketball, you know, growing blisters on my feet for a living. And that's really where I developed my confidence in the game. It's because I was able to play some in-game minutes, like real pressure, real people, all different people all the time. Every game's different. You know, it's it's a lot different when there's a lot more on the line. And so I feel like in practice, and when I was younger, I was like, yeah, I'm good, yeah. And then I get in the game, and I'm like, wow, I suck. Oh, and that negative really outweighed the positive. So I developed that confidence while I was in college. And I actually remember this guy. Um, I haven't really stayed in touch with him all that much, but we're still friends on Facebook. If that makes, if that's worth anything these days. Uh, but I remember him coming up to me one day when I was at the rec center, uh, when I was up in college and he's like, Hey man, I can tell that you've got your confidence about you. Like when you first started playing here, I was like, who is this kid? You know, you're, he's, he's going to have to get better or something like that. And then all of a sudden you're like, like a new, a new man and you've got your game and it's so cool to see. And I'd never heard that kind of feedback from anybody. And it was really eye opening to me. And it, so when I hear about like my boss's son going out and getting this in-game confidence uh, to to build towards success, I think that that is so powerful in creating real-time situations, real-world situations. And this doesn't just apply to sports. I talk about this all the time at work. You know, when I'm training somebody, I want to give them a real-world situation to train them with, so that they know how it's going to be handled the next time around. And so once you have that confidence, it's almost like riding a bicycle. Once you go do it again, you kind of have that confidence. You you tap back into that mentality of being good at what you do. I think what it really comes down to is having pride in what you do. Because if you have pride in what you do, you can develop a confidence around that. And with all the free time that you put into getting better, you can reap the rewards from all of your hard work that you've put in. Sheesh. Talk about two halves to an episode, am I right? first half talking about what it's like to go into rival territory wearing your own shirt that goes against their belief uh and then the second half we're talking about some really serious stuff about developing confidence around something you want to be good at and then putting that to work in real life in game etc i think those things are so cool you know where sports have these certain certain like aspects that bring the best out of you and they make you the best that you can possibly be in certain situations. And then taking those things and comparing them to real life, it's kind of crazy how much things line up. Now, before I let you go, I have to remind you about Symbol. You know, this is a thing that I'm going to keep pushing from episode to episode. It's the stock market for sports. It allows you to trade sports teams like stocks. So if you're interested in stocks, you know, you have a good idea of how this might work. But it's about combining your sports knowledge with the stock market kind of model. So imagine you invest in your favorite teams. Anytime they win, you get a cash payout for each win. But then over the long term, you can also you know, buy a team when they're low and just kind of think about their future. Are they going to be good? And then sell them when they're high and you can make actual cash off of the growth of these teams. Now, as a partner with Symbol, I can get you a bonus with your first deposit. All you got to do is go to www.simbull.com. That's symbol.com. Or visit the link in the description. That's symbol.app slash abstract to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code abstract for a $10 deposit bonus to help build your portfolio. And now that does it for me, everybody. That's episode four of Underdog Mentality. I'm Kyle Clay Richards, and thank you so much for taking a minute to listen. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoyed it a lot because, you know, so much of the point where you want to go and subscribe. 
You just got to go to your favorite podcast platform, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and more. If you have a topic suggestion or a question you'd like me to answer on the show, you can tweet me at kyleclay.com spelled out. That's kyleclay, D-O-T-C-O-M. Or just go to abstractsports.com, go to the podcast page, and fill out the form at the bottom of the page. In the meantime, stay safe and be positive out there. I'll catch you guys in the next one.